Welcome to episode 125 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Bryn Jackson. And I'm Brian Levin. Today we caught up with Vanessa Cho. She's a designer currently leading the team over at GoPro. Uh, we first heard about Vanessa because she kept coming up on past episodes, uh, having managed some of our previous guests. Charlie Waite, Jeff Smith. So we dig into her background, her experience, and we ask a lot of management questions. It was super fun. Lots of lots of really good learnings here. But before we get into that, two sponsors we want to thank for making this episode possible. First, you know them, you love them, we love them, everyone loves them. Wayno. Wayno is an agency comprised of and continuing to grow the rad. How are team. they doing that? Uh, we just found out last week that Gene Ross is en route to Wayno to be a professional fart director there. Yes, he has been uh, on the show as well, and. They are just assembling an incredible team, doing wonderful work, and they're sponsoring the show because they want you to know that they exist. Wayno is a very special place. It's a talented agency with people that we love uh, and have had a blast uh, working with them and having them sponsor the show. They keep picking up all of our favorite people, and I can't believe yeah. that this is a trend that continues. Yeah, so a couple things. First, uh, every Friday they're doing a happy hour at their office. Uh, Brynn and I have been to a couple. They're super fun. Just follow them on Twitter, uh, at Wayno.co, all spelled out on Twitter, and we will look forward to seeing you there. If you want a job, they're hiring. They have offices here in San Francisco, New York. They're hiring for product designers and they want you. So go to wayno.co, U-E-N-O dot C-O. First, just check out their work, follow them. Get to know them. Get to know them. Get to know Wayno. And if you want a job, uh, there's a careers link in the header and just tell them we sent you. So thank you so much to Wayno for sponsoring the show, supporting us and making this podcast possible. So everyone go check them out at wayno.co. Second sponsor, we also know them. We also love them. Dropbox. Now, Dropbox is also an amazing team, but the tool they build makes your life easier like every single day. Anything we do on a computer, anything I do on a computer is backed up to Dropbox directly. Like, bypass the file system. Why would I save anything anywhere else? My Dropbox account, it's like they, they just default to one terabyte, right? Mm-hmm. My MacBook hard drive is 250 gigs. So just store everything in Dropbox. There's no reason not to. And then if any of your devices ever break, if something catches on fire, you haven't lost all your work. It syncs all of your design files, all of your work files across your team, your company, all in the cloud. It's going to be on all of your devices at the same time, syncs super fast and makes it really, really easy to collaborate. It's truly a fantastic tool. I love it. It makes all of our stuff here at Spec super easy. It makes our work at day jobs super easy. It makes our work on side projects super easy. And they're just continuing to invest in better collaboration tools, making it super easy to send huge files, commenting inline in the browser, paper, which lets you work on documents in real time with your coworkers or team. You can sync your paper files. <laughs> you set them on your computer and they sync. <laughs> so if you want to dazzle better, sign up for Dropbox. Go to dropbox.com. Thank you so much once again to Dropbox. And with that, let's get into episode 125 with Vanessa Cho. Hi, ich bin Vanessa Cole. Nice. Also known as nice. Vanessa Cho. Thank Hi. you for having me. Has it been weird having a different last name in two places? Yeah, it has been. It has. It definitely has been. And it's interesting because I thought about taking my husband's name, but I didn't because then I'd be Vanessa Simmons and... I definitely don't look like a Vanessa Simmons, but mm, mm, mm. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Even the name Vanessa in Korean, people say Vanessa, mm. 
I was like, Mom, you named me after a name that you can't even pronounce. Thanks, Mom. Exactly. Names uh, are interesting. <laughs> they are. Yes. Uh, what are you working on? Yeah, so I am responsible for the software design team at GoPro. Uh, really what we do is we do everything off of the camera. We design software such as the mobile app, the desktop app, the web app to help GoPro users get their media off of their camera mm -hmm. and to do it easily and to manage and to edit and to share it. Okay, so you introduced yourself in German. German yes. So where are you from? I am from Vienna, Austria. And uh, which sounds normal, but I think for the listeners that are looking, <laughs> that are not looking at me, they'd be like, huh, um, I actually look, because I am, 100% Korean. So I am a <laughs> Korean Austrian. I am Korean, therefore I look Korean. <laughs> exactly. I'm a Korean Austrian living in San Francisco. Uh, I was born and raised in Vienna, Austria, and I lived there for 18 years mm -hmm. before I came here to the States. How did you end up in Vienna as a Korean? I know, through just... Karma. People don't travel. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, what's going on here? Yeah, so I think the long story is is that uh, my parents are Korean and my, you know, my parents, they were growing up during the Korean War in the 50s, which just completely decimated that country. And my dad was chilling out, or at least this is how my dad tells the story. He's like, you know, there's not very much here in Korea. I'm going to go and hang out with these, Aust and these, sorry, these American military folk because they're pretty cool and hip. And he started talking to them and getting to know them and hearing about these states. And he says, like, you know, the states thing, it's kind of kind of cool. You know, I want to go check it out. Can you tell me some of the best universities in the states? Because I'm a stud and I'm going to go check those out. And they're like, yeah, the best universities, these soldiers said, you should check out these Ivy League schools. And so my dad was like, sure, I'm going to go and apply. And he did. He applied to these schools and he got in. He got into the University of Pennsylvania, or so he thought. Actually, he, he figured out that he got into the University of Transylvania mm, mm -hmm. in Kentucky. A very common mistake, I hear. Yes, yes. often. If you're a vampire. Yes. <laughs> um, but he still ended up going, and he was tell you, it's just like it was one of his best experiences. And, you know, Kentucky in the late 50s was charming, as he said. There weren't very many Asians. No one else says that about Kentucky in the 50s. <laughs> I don't know. Charming. I mean, he's, I, he's just, I mean, my parents, they're great role models for me, but he was just very open-minded, you know, and he was just like, there were charming and generous and I just learned a lot and he really enjoyed the education system so he decided you know I want to be a professor I want to stay here in the states and be a professor and really give back and so he went to graduate school and then he ended up trying to be a professor in the universities but he couldn't get a job there are not many Asians hanging out being professors at that time, but he did get one job in St. John's, Newfoundland, which I don't know if you know where it is, but it's the most eastern point of basically of Canada. And uh, he said that he taught economics to fishermen. Lobster one, lobster two. How do you get three lobsters? You know, uh, isn't that biology, not not economics? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You can clearly. I'm not an economist. Yes, um, but it was, and he said it was it was awesome. It was awesome teaching and giving back. But you know, in the end, he couldn't. He didn't make enough to support the family, and so he saw an advertisement in the Herald Tribune for the United Nations uh, to basically be a diplomat for that, and he applied and he got it. 
after a couple of years in New York, he was stationed in Vienna, Austria. And, you know, they moved there and that's where I was born. So uh, hence, I am a Korean Austrian. And believe it or not, that is not usually an option to check. You know, when they ask you on the little applications, they're like, what, what, what ethnicity are you? Korean Austrian is never really an option. I always put on other. But um, I feel, you know, it's just like, I feel like I'm 100% Austrian. Vienna, Viennese or German was my first language. I... I love David Hasselhoff. You know, it's just like all the Naturally. all the stereotypes mm-hmm. are Yeah, it's not American. Yeah. <laughs> all the stereotypes are definitely true. And so I lived there for 18 years until I came here to the States. Why did you come to the States? I came here for all the stereotypical reasons. Mm. My Asian parents were like, well, now we didn't go, but you will be going to an Ivy League school. I was like, come on, people. I... I I'd love design and I was in Austria, which uh-huh. there's a lot of design. I was like, I want to stay here. And they're like, nope, you're going to an Ivy League school. And so I did my research because I didn't know anything about schools in the States. And I figured out that Brown University, which is an Ivy League school, you could go and attend and then take all of your classes if you wanted to at the Rhode Island School of Design, which is down the hill. Arguably, it's a very, very steep hill. I wish somebody had written that in the catalog. But um, that's what I ended up doing. And it was a it was a great it was a great choice for me because I was able to really challenge myself and try different things and really get the formal training that I didn't have. But it was also a huge culture shock. I mean, coming from Austria to Providence, Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had I had in my first year, I had huge challenges just figuring out culturally how do I fit in. I mean, I sound American because I was taught English by American teachers, but I had challenges such as like, why is the dime smaller than the nickel you know that I, makes zero sense exactly i absolutely agree and, and then so. the pennies somewhere in there and the pennies not really worth anything and then, isn't the penny bigger than the nickel it's thinner but wider i don't know who designed this i don't know and then puns you know charlie charlie wait actually warned me i'm horrible at puns all the american colloquialisms i don't know any of that can we talk about charlie wait's last performance review no, <laughs> he would kill me if we did. No, I'm just kidding. I'm a huge fan of the Charlie Wait fan club. Mm, yeah, I I recently joined. You did Charlie yes. Wait fan club dot cool. Yes. Yeah. The entrance fee is pretty high, but it's worth it. <laughs> is he still charging for that? <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, Charlie. Uh, Cool. So what did you study at RISD? Actually, I studied at Brown, but I was just like, I was a visual arts and uh, history, our history major. And I took all of my fine arts classes at RISD, which is really interesting. I mean, it just shows how old school I am. At that time, there weren't any human factors or user experience or even, you know, larger behavioral classes to what we do now. It really was just graphic design, you know, it's like computer design and just understanding how to actually use some of the software. Okay. So you were working digital at the time, learning digital. Barely. I mean, I would say the first two years, it was all handcraft, like design your own font, you know, and actually physically draw the font. But, you know, the last two years that I was in college, it was like, okay, this is how you turn on a computer. And there's this magical thing called, you know, Photoshop 2.0. And I was like, oh, okay, well, it's going to take 10 minutes just to Open Photoshop, you know, it was just starting, really. It was really just <laughs> mm, starting. Then. Not a lot's changed. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> did you know at that point what you wanted to do? I, I, yeah, I mean, I was trying to figure out, like, how do I, how can I commercialize what I wanted? And so initially when I was in school, I thought, yeah, I want to be a, 
I want to be a book jacket designer and I want to live in Maine. A book jacket designer. I, I was like, I thought, I thought, I don't know why, but I thought that was it. I'd never been to Maine and I never even, I don't know why I picked Maine. Why book jackets? I don't know. Because I thought that actually these are people that get paid money to do some, you know, digital design. I, I you know, it's just, but, um, I quickly figured out that I would be bored, <laughs> really bored. The pace was really slow. And it turns out that, uh, after I graduated from college, that, because I wasn't American, I had this big challenge with finding a visa. I had to find a company that would not only hire me, but then also sponsor my visa. And that ended up being a huge challenge for the rest of my career. Can you just talk a little bit about that? Because I, I mean, I just haven't been through it. So having your career in a way shaped and defined by something as arbitrary, if I can use that word, as yeah. like a visa status? Yeah. That seems is. crazy. It is really What was crazy. that like? I mean, it was it was really crazy because, I mean, coming from, you know, with when I was a teenager, I was like, I don't ever want to go to the States to all of a sudden all, just wanting to live in the States and being like, well, I've now made my decision. Stockholm Syndrome. Yes, exactly. <laughs> we got gotcha. you. <laughs> But um, yeah, so basically what you need to do is you need to find a company, one that really desires you, that is willing to give you a job, but then also has the legal, you know, it's like resources and financial resources to support you to actually say, we will support and sponsor this person's visa, which is hard. You know, it's just like, especially in the years that I was working at this time, I was in New York, there was so much talent there and everybody is vying for the same job. And so what I ended up doing, I quickly started learning that. And I couldn't go to a startup. I couldn't go to small companies. They just didn't have the, you know, the resources to do it. I had to look for really big companies. Those big, are the ones that put out book jackets. I know, exactly. It's just like, but I had to look for really big companies that had, you know, the capital, quite honestly. And so I ended up picking companies or they, the companies picked me that were traditional big media companies. For example, America Online or Ziff Davis or CNET or even Clear Channel. Those are the companies that picked me or I picked them where they had a traditional you know, way of getting revenue and they just needed a digital presence and they needed a web designer and they had the lawyers to actually be able to you know, fill out my paperwork. You started at America Online. Yes. How did you get that job? I got that job when I was at, in graduate school. The graduate school offered a career fair at the end of the day. And it was, believe it or not, this career fair was for publishing because, you know, I still wanted to be that book, book jacket, jacket designer. Mm -hmm. Get it. Um, and there were all these tables, you know, I remember for all these publishing houses and everybody was going to these publishing houses to be the next literary agent or to be the next, you know, it's just like editor. And there was one table of with this guy standing behind it and nobody was going to it. And of course, I decided to go to this person and it was America Online. It was this guy standing there and I was like, what are you doing here? And they're like, I just... He was just sitting there making startup <laughs> noises. Dee -doo, dee -doo, dee <laughs> and uh, he's like, I just need to find a designer. I'm like, well, I'm a designer. And they're like, yeah, but do you know how to turn on a computer? I'm like, yeah, I know how to turn on a computer. And this is like, do you know how to use Photoshop? And I said, yeah, I do. And it's like, do you know how to code? And I was like, no. He's like, do you want to learn? And I said... Sure. Can you give me a visa? <laughs> and he said, yes. And that's how I ended up there. You've got a job. Exactly. I mean, wow. it is. You're, you <laughs> was make, that good? Was that pretty good? It was pretty good. Thanks. Yeah. You make a lot of choices, you know. It's just like, I would say that I, 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 I welcome risks, but in a while, it's just like if you're, if you're, if you're not American, you actually have to try, make some trade-offs. 
How do you feel about book jackets now? Now, it's so funny because guess what? I'm married to a print designer that does book jackets. So in a way. I throw away book jackets as soon as I get them. What? Oh, you monster. I I feel like they're part of the packaging. You monster. Uh, Dude, that's part of the art of the book. Dust covers are for the week. No. It's not just book jackets, I have to say. It's just like it's just book covers. Don't you take you don't you judge a book by its cover? Yes. Thank you. That's how I knew you were Austrian. <laughs> uh AOL. Yes. Uh for context, when was this? Oh God. It must have been two thousand. Okay. Nineteen ninety nine or two thousand, yeah. So the bubble was Yes. Burst. Yes. What was that like? I I mean it was in New York, though, it was... Didn't I, matter? Yeah, it didn't matter. Okay. Yeah. So what did you end up working on at AOL? Uh, I was hired to actually work on, you know, their their instantiation of, of Yelp. It was pretty much a New York City guide. It was a digital AOL? version. Yeah. AOL. Cool. Nice. Um, See, that was, a, that was a pun. Oh, I liked it. You got it. was it. pun I adjacent. It. I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> pun <but>. orthogonal. <laughs> <laughs> As you've learned to say, you're welcome, Justin Perverse. Uh, yeah, so that's uh, I was a web designer for that, you know, and it was really I was hired actually as an intern and then as, as an associate designer. But that's really where I learned titles really didn't matter. It's like if you want to pull up your sleeves and work hard, you know, you can learn. And so that's where I learned how to code and actually, you know, drive, drive like code and layout and do the designs for it and actually publish it. Uh-huh. And uh, it's also where I learned speed. Uh, I mean, I'd been in like what I thought was going to be publishing and how it took like six months, six to months or a year to actually get something out there. And they're here just being able to start something in the morning and by the end of the day actually have something live was really exciting for me. It's addicting. It was. And I never went back. It was pretty cool. Uh, and what what did you end up doing after AOL? Yeah, then it was because like, you you did leave AOL. I did, yes. I mean, a series of jobs. It's funny if I look back at my stint in New York, I'd never been in a job longer than a year after AOL. Then I went to be a web de- web designer at, gosh, maybe it was like I can't even keep track of it. Ziff Davis, and then you know where they had all of their print magazines, you know, PC magazine or just technical magazines, and they needed to bring it online. And then I went to work at CNET um, for, a, for a division called GameSpot. And then I went to Clear Channel. Was that pre-CBS? Yes, it was pre-CBS. Okay. And so- um, We're on GameSpot, that's crazy. No, gaming. I mean, uh, that was a really awesome industry to be in as well. It's just like just seeing the passion, you know, it's just like in the stamina and just the speed. Everyone was like, oh, it's so cool to work at GameSpot, you know, but people have to actually play the really bad games too. <laughs> you, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it is. Yeah. It's really challenging as well. And so, um, and then I went to Clear Channel in there too. I think I was there for around a year as well, um, where I was responsible for, you know, Clear Channel, they own everything you know there but they offered me a visa so i said yes i was definitely going for the highest bidder and uh anytime there was an artist that went on tour just offering the creating the digital presence for it you know everything from their website to their campaign to their contests um it was pretty cool i i mean in general when i look back now in new york i wasn't at a job longer than a year i felt like i had to move companies to gain experience or to learn because Generally, and when I get idle, I get pretty bored, and I, then I instantly I just look for the next best thing. Yeah, were there any negative repercussions of being at all these different jobs and being there less than a year at each one? 
Yeah. I mean, now it's funny as a manager, if I look at somebody's resume and I see that the person has only been at a company less than a year, I was like, what are you doing? You know, it's just like, are you willing to commit to the company's mission and to the team and actually helping it evolve? So I probably wouldn't have hired myself. Really? <laughs> even even knowing knowing what you know about the hustle that you went through and, and all the different things you learned by going from all these companies to companies. Yeah, I think it'd be hard for, for to get myself in the door to actually have an interview with me. But hopefully I'm compelling when you actually meet me and be like, hey, actually in these companies, I was the only designer, you know, and I really needed to grow and learn from other designers. And the only way I could figure out is just like to go and find that, to find that community and that environment to actually do it. But um I do I do appreciate and I do respect that I think designers need other designers to learn. And it's just like at that time there wasn't a Twitter, or <laughs> there was there wasn't a dribble, there weren't any networks. It's just like I felt like the only way to do it was to actually go and and change my job. At that point in time, did you feel like there was a design quote unquote community? No. No. I'm too old for that. No. It's just like there I didn't feel like there was a community. You know, it's like the community or the job. And just imagine I every one of these jobs that I described, I was wearing a suit. You know, it's just I wasn't a designer. I was somebody working at this company, you know. It's just like, but that I always felt kind of off, you know, to be honest. Now that there are multiple design communities and a broader design community yeah. singular like how do you feel do you feel involved with that is that something that's exciting to you yeah, or i i do i mean I, i'm i'm not only am i excited i feel i feel actually the obligation that i it's my responsibility to give back you know because i i think it's great that we now have communities i think we actually need communities this is kind of how we bond and how we actually learn but we need to continue investing in them because this could become so much more you know and this is clearly how we thrive. So I'm excited for what we have now, but I think we could do so much more to not only give back, but make it better. I want to get into that in a little bit. Right. Uh, but how did you end up getting out of New York? Uh, I, you know, in the, how did I? Am I then boyfriend, but soon to be husband? We loved New York, but we couldn't really afford it. We actually were thinking about leaving New York right before 9-11, but then 9-11 happened and you couldn't help but feel really loyal to the city. And so we ended up staying two more years. Uh, but then we really couldn't afford the city and decided to leave to go probably to the other most expensive city in the world, which is uh, San Francisco. But what we did was we had saved enough money that we said, we're going to go backpacking and camping until the money runs out. So we did a cross-country trip. That's a huge risk. It was. It was kind of fun. You know, it was just like, it was really fun. It was... and. But I'm definitely one of those people that believes in experiences. Yeah. So where did you end up going? So he, I had never been, obviously, because I wasn't here, you know, but he's from St. Louis. So he took me the northern route. We did a lot of the um, North Dakotas and Wyoming's and Montana's and then up oh, to the Canadian Rockies. The Dakotas? <laughs> yeah. No? There's nothing there. You know, so one of my husband's favorite, favorite buildings is in... Um, Corn did, Palace? Yes. Uh, how did you know? I mean, because I'm from Minnesota. The, oh, really? Uh, I've been to the Corn Palace too many oh times. What's the Corn Palace? A palace made of corn. You're kidding. Nope. It has a different theme each year. You got to look it up. It's pretty epic. The corn. You thought it was epic as well? I actually thought. I mean, I had heard a so lot Brin's about it. So Brin's just being a drag. Yes. Okay. No. <laughs> no, it's a corn building. <laughs> it's a corn building. Yes. In the middle of nowhere. 
I had a deep appreciation. I mean, it took a long time to get there, and there wasn't that much to do once you saw it. But now you're was, in the middle of the Dakotas. I thought it was pretty cool. It's funny because where my husband's taking my kids, I have two kids. We're taking. We're going to go back to. And I, I looked in the map. I was like, it's gonna take a while to get there. But he's just like, this is something. This is part of their childhood. Do you they think? Need to go do you think your children house. will appreciate the the magnificence of the corn palace? It, yeah, they have to. If they're part of my family. They yes. must. Yes, exactly. Uh, okay, so you you backpacked and and hike or camped and yeah, made your way out west. Yeah, and you ended up in San Francisco. Yeah, and in San Francisco, it was funny because somebody had told me about the states that New York and San Francisco are these great cities, but I think I had made the. I misunderstood and I thought that because they're great cities that they're very similar. Uh, but I realized as soon as we landed in San Francisco, they're very different, you know. But uh, we found an apartment. I thought, you know, it's like San Francisco will be cheaper. I will buy a house here. We didn't. We immediately started renting and we were started moving in, off, unpacking our U-Haul. And as we were unpacking, our landlady stopped by and we're sweating and our landlady is like, hey, and which was really crazy. And New York, there are no landladies and landlords that ever talk to you. And that was already my first glimpse that San Francisco was a little different. And she said, hey, you know, it's like, do you have a job yet? I was like, oh, don't worry. I will figure out how to pay the rent. She's like, no, no, I just want to know. Do you have a job yet? And I said, no. And she's like, what do you do? And I said, I'm a web designer. And she's like, oh, that's interesting. Do you have a portfolio link? And I said, yes. And I remember yelling it to her through the window as I was heaving boxes. HTTP. Colon. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, slash, yeah, slash. Exactly. There were a lot of backward slashes. And and then she left. And but then the next day when I we connected our phone, my phone, you know, rang and it was Walmart. Walmart called and said, Hi. We're Walmart. Walmart the company. Yeah, Walmart exactly. the entity. <laughs> exactly. More Walmart. Huh. Oh, I am Walmart. Walmart. Exactly. We're Walmart. Oh, and, that was a good uh, accent for Walmart. We we got your name from your landlady. And I said, What? like, yeah, we got your name from your landlady. I was like, I don't understand. She's like, well, you may not know this, but your landlady actually used to be head of recruiting for a design company called Sapient. And we've been using Sapient for a lot of our work. And I said, okay. And she's like, we saw your portfolio. We want you to come in. I said, to Walmart? And I said, yes. I was like, just no. Like, just like my store? Yeah, or exactly. I mean, I really was that confused. <laughs> Go up to someone, hi, I'm here to see Walmart? Yes, exactly. I was really confused. And I said, no, you, I'm not the right person for you. And it's like, why not? And it's just like, I've never done e-commerce. That's, that's not what I know how to do. I don't even know. I've never been in a Walmart. I'm not American. But in the background, my husband is like, we have no money. Just go in. And by the way, every job you've been in, you've only been for a year. So, you know, it's kind of worth it. And so I said, okay, let me just go and talk to them. And I went and talked to them and I kind of was blown away. First of all, people were wearing jeans. Wow. Mm. I immediately thought, I was like, well, I'm going to work here. Wait, was this the greeter though? No, or? <laughs> this is at walmart.com. So it was our digital entity that we actually had then. And uh, there were a lot of, it was the panel that I got to talk to. The, first of all, there were a lot of women, which I had not been exposed to women leaders. And a lot of them were talking about 
about scale, which I had actually had some experience with, but the scale that you have at Walmart, you know, it's just like the work that you were going to do was really going to actually have an impact. And this idea that, you know, a small but a very mighty group wanted to make positive change within a very large company, you know, was really appealing to me. And so, and the other thing is they sponsored my visa. So I said, sure, why not? That's the, that's the smaller important piece of information. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But then I ended up staying there for nine years. It was mind boggling. Walmart. So as you've seen now, Bryn and I's reaction is yes. like, Walmart. Yes. What do you do there as a designer? And obviously they have a website. So what did you end up working on? How did you get get involved there? Yeah. So really, I mean, I was the first UX person. At that time, I don't even think we were really called UX. But um, what I was responsible for was really just the information architecture and the interaction for all of their digital entities to actually serve and support the store. So the the first year I was responsible for redesigning their whole financial system. And then afterwards is their their um, medical system and their and then on to their registry and then moving on to checkout. And as the team's Grew, we covered like grocery delivery service in the UK or launching Walmart China or actually coming up with Walmart Brazil as well. It's like the team just grew and grew. And it was just fortuitous, actually, the timing that I just happened to be the first designer. And then very quickly, there was a small group and, you know, they said, hey, you know, we're just going to keep on building the team. And so by the time I left, I think we were probably 80 people and now it's more than 100. Um, And it was just this group great time to be in a hyper growth, which really felt like a startup within this larger company. Because even though, you know, Walmart's digital presence is, you know, probably second to first or second, depending on between eBay and Amazon, depending on the time of the year, it was a drop in the bucket compared to the physical stores. So we really could actually run as fast as we wanted to, you know, just like and do an experiment with things, but we really had this larger company helping and supporting us. Um, so it was just a great time. I, you know, I grew up there a lot. I mean, the design managers that are still there, they helped really kind of groom me and I learned a lot there and really help shape and form who I am today as a manager. What do you mean? I mean, I think the thing is, is that nobody graduates from design school and says, oh, I want to work at Walmart, right? It's just like, it's just not what you do. And uh, But being at a company where it's very much mission-led, like the mission there is, and obviously I drank the Kool-Aid, but it's to help people save money so they can live better. So if a designer actually makes it in the door to Walmart, it's because they believe in the mission. And there's something really nice about it, regardless of what the mission is, is to attract designers that believe in the mission. Because if you all believe in the same mission, regardless of what the mission is, you already have that culture already forming. You know, it's just like if you believe in that thing. And so you already have a bond there. And if you like scale, you know, it's just like, and you like helping people, you know, it's a it's a really good gig. I really had a great time and it really resonated to me. At first I was just like, this is just a company that can sponsor my visa. Who cares? You know? But I, I remember, you know, us one of the biggest problems we had was none of us actually shopped at Walmart. We all, you, like, <laughs> oh, you saw the Target packages and the Amazon packages just coming through in the office. Like we never all shopped there. And that was a big problem. We didn't really have the customer empathy. And very, Walmart's not exactly a designer company. No, it's not. But we were designers. And so we were responsible for that. And I remember actually being like, we need to, we need to, or, you know, we need to go and actually understand what our customers in the store are experiencing. And so one of the days we, I, I volunteered 
volunteered and I went in and I remember I, I you know I went to a store I think it must have been in Oakland or maybe in the peninsula and the store manager came and he's just like you're coming you know you from the tech place you're just coming now and you're just going to be here for an hour and everything I was like no come on like I drove all the way down here and everything and they're like yeah whatever and then he said he's like no you should come why don't you come you know, it's like in three days at midnight. I said, uh, okay. And I kind of, I felt like he was challenging me. And I am I was like, all right, I'll come. And so I ended up coming. And my husband's like, where are you going? I was like, I'm going to go and drive there. And it was a 24-hour Walmart. I think this one, the one I was in was in Sonoma. And it was stunning to me. The store was packed. <laughs> I was like, what are all these people doing here at midnight? And I looked and all the carts were completely filled Everybody was there. They were actually on there at that time, their handies or their phones, but nobody was checking out. I was like, why aren't these people checking out and going home? And they had kids there with them. I was so confused. And they're like, this is what it's like to shop at Walmart. This is why I need you guys in the tech world to actually help us because all these people are just living paycheck to paycheck. They're just waiting for the paycheck, their money to actually go into their bank so that they can actually pay and buy the groceries that they need for the week so they can pay their kids, you know, they can feed their kids. And that really resonated to me. I was just like, shit, I got to go and build the software to make it easier for people to actually be able to shop because they don't have enough time and they quite frankly don't have enough money. It's just like, and that, that, that mission really appealed to me. So if you hear that mission, you know, it's like designers don't really, they don't graduate from school and really think about that. But if you believe in that mission, it attracts a certain type of designer. And those designers are the ones that I work with at Walmart that really helped shape me in terms of a manager. How long did you end up staying? I stayed for eight years. Eight years? Forever. You went from less than a year to yes. eight years. I know. Isn't that crazy? Holy shit. Yeah. It was really crazy. I mean, I, I just, I couldn't believe it. I mean, it was just the every year I got something else to work on. And, and it was one of those jobs because we were in hyper growth that I think in eight years, I might have been promoted like five or six, five times. I don't even know. But every single time they promoted me before I thought I was even ready. They're like, hey, you know, it's just like you, you do some interaction. Why don't you, you know, manage the, you, you know, the information architecture team or the content strategy, the research team. And every single time I was like, I don't know what I'm doing here, but I'll just figure it out. So it was just, there was just the pace that I really appreciated. So at Walmart, you moved from, I guess what we'd call IC work yep. to management. Yep. What was that transition like? Uh, Besides you know. not knowing yeah, what you're exactly. doing. I would say it is, and I firmly believe it, I think it's the hardest transition that you would do as a designer. I mean, it's a complete career restart. I was, I think at that time, obviously, I was fairly competent as a senior IC, and I was doing really well. And they're like, hey, you're a good senior designer, you will be a great manager. I said, okay. And it was really hard for me. It was really hard for me because I didn't know anything about managing. And quite frankly, what I knew about how, delivering great work, how do I teach that to somebody else and impart that? And so I, I, went, I went through a complete identity crisis. I was like, this is really hard. I don't know how to do this. And I mean, really, my self-confidence went down. And, uh, you know, as karma would have it, I was lucky enough to go to a design conference. I think it was at that time one of my first design conferences I went to. And I happened to see Margaret Stewart uh, speak. Ah, uh, uh, Megs. Yes. She was at, I think she was at YouTube at the time. And I hadn't met her you know, I mean, now it's just like I've met her. I was like, okay, you really are that cool. But um, 
I heard her speak, and she had t- she was talking about how do you take you know it's like user centered design and actually apply it if you're a manager to your team. And the way she was talking about it, it really was just a fortuitous time for me because she helped me realize that I. As a designer, felt that I had lost all of my identity because I wasn't assigned to any more projects, and I just felt like, you know, what am I here for? I'm here actually just to support people and make sure that people work on their projects. But she helped me actually through that talk realize that my team is actually my project. You know, it's just like this is what I'm responsible for. I'm responsible to make sure that the team, you know, that we obviously hire people, we retain people, we make sure that it's like it operates efficiently and that it's you know smart and it grows and that we have fun and and that all of a sudden became my responsibility. That was my project as a designer, and I still feel that now. And and I. I take it seriously, you know, and I take a lot of pride in that now. And so I'm just very grateful that it happened to be that I got to see her, you know, because it it helped me. Because I do think going from an IC to a manager is probably your hardest, your hardest transition. So, how much of that time at Walmart was spent managing? I'd say probably like six of the eight years. Okay, yeah. and and then how did you, how did you decide to leave? Yeah, I decided to leave because. In the end, I am a designer, you know, and I would say by the end of it, I think I was a senior director and um, has managing directors or senior managers. And they're all the problem is, is like they were all smarter than I was. You know, there was nothing I could help with. You know, I was really excited when somebody was on vacation because then maybe I could fill in and be the designer. Um but they were just all, they are, and they continued to be, they were just so much better than I was. And I just felt like there wasn't that much ability to grow, you know, as a designer. And so I, I made the decision. I was like, you know, I've been here for so long and I'm not learning at the rate that I want to be. I want to go and do something different. And it was, it was, it was a big, it was a big move for me because personally I had built a lot of attachments to it. And it was kind of like a product that you built. Like how easy is it to walk away from a product? But I knew it was time, you know, it's just like I wasn't learning at the rate that I wanted to. And it really was the first time because in the meantime, I had gotten married. It was the first time that I could actually pick a job and I hadn't, I didn't have to be worried about my visa, which was really empowering as well. And so you ended up at GoPro. At GoPro. Yeah. Why GoPro? You know, it's funny because there were other companies that I was looking at and that I was actually pretty close to taking that position. Um, but, I, you know, the other companies were offering me something very similar. It's like, hey, we want you to manage a 50-person team. You know, it's just like, uh, we want you to help us particularly scale from 25 people to 100 people, which I, I knew I wanted to do. But this is a, you know, this is a career where I didn't really take a lot of risks at my job because I ha- I was kind of encumbered with who would sponsor me. And I had never done hardware. You know, that was a big thing. And, and just where GoPro was at that particular time and where it continues to be, I just thought that I was like, I just want to go and try this. And what's the worst that's going to happen? I'll leave after a year. Uh, so that's that's why I picked I mean, it really was. Famous <laughs> last words. Oh, yeah, I'll just do it for exactly. a year. But, uh, <laughs> Eight years Do you later. still have a visa? I have a green card now. Okay. Yes. I was going to say, like, why, why not ch- change that? Oh, become a citizen? Yeah. Well, with so a green card, you can work so. anywhere. Yeah. Yes. And so it's just like, with a citizen, I have to say, I don't know, every election year, the peak, it just completely peaks because everybody wants to actually vote. So I have considered citizenship to make sure that my vote counts. 
But uh, most of the days with a green card, you have a lot of the same privileges as you do. As it just stood out to me that it sounded like you had had a visa for a particularly long time. So I had a, a different, I didn't have a green card until I started working at Walmart. Okay. Yeah. But then after, I'm well in the eight years, which is, you know, a lifetime. And that time I got married to my husband and then I got a green card. And then I was able to pick what my job was. And what was really interesting about that was, you know, I, I think I just expected when I was ready to leave Walmart that all these companies that I was interested in would come and would be eager to talk to me. And, and quite frankly, none of them were interested. They're like, no. I was like, what do you mean? I've done all these things. And they're like, yeah, you've only done it at Walmart. You know, you're somewhat institutionalized. You've only done it at these, these particular things. And I said, oh, my gosh, you know, you're right. And so I went to these companies and I actually asked them for feedback. I was like, I'm really interested in your company. You know, it's just like, what what can I do to make myself more attractive? And one of the things that one of my mentors recommended was just like, you need to show a little more diversity. You know, that you need to show that you can go small if you really want to go small. And so I started advising it at a couple of startups, you know, and I picked those startups that were pretty, pretty, you know, it's just like very, very different. And I did it just to, you know, think about rounding up my portfolio, but it ended up being so satisfying, you know, for me as a designer, just being a designer again at these startups or helping them in any particular way that I still do it now. It's been very fulfilling. How do you get into an advisor role and what does that look like? I've always wondered. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it depends. Like usually... I mean, some of the times I had just a couple of connections, like one of them was like my brother-in-law be like, hey, can you just make me an advisor? <laughs> you know? Please, I need to put exactly. this on my portfolio. Exactly. There are other people where, you know, it's like if you've just been around in the industry and they'll be like, you, they are starting a startup and you reach out to them and you say, hey, you know, it's just like I'm looking to actually, you know, help consult or advise if there's anything I can do. I'll do it pro bono starting off, you know, it's, and they're like, sure, you know, a lot of times you, you may not know it, but you have a lot of assets, you know, just like, and a lot of experience. For example, some of them were just like, we don't have any, a startup that I was advising for, we don't have any designers, but we want to hire a designer. Can you be on the interview panel? Uh, help us actually, you know, mm -hmm. interview some designers. Totally. Or, like I've done that before. Exactly. I was like, hey, I actually can do this. You know, there's other people, there are other startups where like, we actually need to build out a checkout. Can you help us look at the particular checkout? Or can you be part of some of our, our design crits that we have? And, and and so th that's how you realize that you actually have a lot of experience and a lot of, you know, a lot of advice that you can provide different startups. You kind of just need to put yourself out there. That's really cool. I love uh, it seems like in the moment you never know what you're doing. And it seems like, you know, shipping things and, and the winds are are far. There's a lot of space in between. But at some point you look back and you're like, holy shit, yeah. I learned and shipped a ton of stuff. Yeah. It sneaks up on you how much how much that can happen, especially over eight years. I can't well, even imagine. Well, it feels so long in hindsight, right? Like you get caught yeah. in the process and then you're just like, it doesn't feel like there's definite ends to a lot of things. It just kind of moves on to the next thing. And yeah. Yeah, totally. And it's not even only the products that you ship. It's just like... You, you end up growing. It might be through collaboration or, you know, processes that you build, you know, or relationships that you actually do or how you even get stronger as a leader itself that those are the things you need to celebrate as well. I, you know, we are designers. We, we are paid. This is how we're wired to just look at all of the things that we need to fix, you know. And sometimes I think we just need to get in the habit of celebrating all the things that we do learn, you know, and appreciating those as well. Because we tend to feel that 
our job is to be dissatisfied with a lot of things, we tend to <laughs> spend more time focusing on the negative. Yeah. How do you approach that, especially with working on teams where you have designers who may feel that way? Yeah, it's funny. I, I definitely, I'm, I'm definitely one of those people, uh, and I, it's almost like I seek it. The joke is, is that I, um, I seek those, you know, all those imperfections. I look for an ATM machine that I don't belong to, and I, I want to, I want to a bank that I don't belong to and I want to check out that ATM machine because I want to figure out how to actually improve it and make it better. Uh, but I think as a manager, more importantly, or just as a partner, it's my responsibility to make sure that people take the time to step back and really celebrate the wins. One of the practices that I try to do, if I have a rough if I have a rough period and I think, oh, everything's wrong or things could be improved or I could be doing better, is it's like I try and, you know, at the end of the day when I'm traveling back home, think about, you know, what what were some good things? You know, it's just like what were some good things and to actually celebrate that. It does it is important to be somewhat positive because otherwise, you know, it can really wear you down, you know, and it and that wearing down can be contagious in a design team. And it's super easy to be an asshole. Yes. It is. It's so I easy. Mean, it's way. I'm pro grade at it. I'm not like pointing <laughs> fingers, asshole. but yeah, it's that's something that's stuck out to me lately. Is like we tend to talk about how much it's our job to be dissatisfied, so we just are as dissatisfied as possible publicly and just shit on other people, and that's terrible. Yeah, it is. I, I think. I think the thing is, is that it's a very quick spiral down, you know, and uh, and that's it's you kind of need those cheerleaders and those champions. It doesn't have to be the manager, but it's just like those cheerleaders and champions in your design team are around to help you reflect on what is the positive piece mm -hmm. of it. So for context, yes. uh, and some of our listeners will know this, uh, the reason we found out about you was from Charlie Waite, who we had on the show, uh, and Jeff Smith has talked about you multiple times. Uh, and so that's how we came to know you as a manager. So I have lots of management questions because at least I have this context of you being a great one. <laughs> you know, I paid them to say those things. Obviously. Yes, absolutely. Obviously. I just wanted to That's make part sure. of being a great manager is paying people exactly. to do what you want <laughs> them to do. Knowing who to pay. Absolutely. Pay everyone off. Yes. Pay everyone off. Yes. Uh, how do you know when it's the right time for someone on your team to move on? Like oh. when they're no longer, uh, either they've outgrown the team or the team's outgrown them. How do I know? Yeah. And that's a pretty hard situation to be, I feel like, where people are growing and changing all the time. Teams and companies are growing and changing all the time. And sometimes those the needs of both sort of butt heads, right? I, I would say it's it's a given, you know, yeah. that especially, I mean, my experience of being at a manager at a company for eight years, it's a given, you know, it's that people come in and they have certain skill sets and, you know, either they're growing much faster than the rate that the team is growing or the company is growing faster at the rate. It's just like there's going to be deltas that actually happen. Um, you know, I think one of the things that I feel about management is just that my responsibility, you know, it's just like is to my project is the team and the different people that are there. And the way I think of it is is that any person that is on my team, I'm I'm responsible for their career. You know, it's just like I tell them, it's just like your job here is to build a great portfolio and it's a better portfolio. You have more, you've gained more skills. 
uh, when you walk out than when you first came in. And that's my my responsibility. And, uh, you know, from a manager standpoint, it's really, I don't turn off when they leave and walk out of the door. You know, it's just, I can't turn, I care, I think, too much about these people. So as soon as you, you can build the trust with your direct report that I'm here for your best interest, and I'm going to tell you when your best interests are better served somewhere else, and you can build that trust, it, it becomes a really a, f- a good conversation. And that happens all the time. I mean, it happens all the time where a direct report will come to me and say, I'm, I'm interested in this opportunity, you know, it's like within the company, and we have a good conversation about if they're qualified for it, and maybe they're not qualified for it. But then I also tell them, as it's like, you might be qualified for the same title somewhere else, you know, it's like, let's go after that if that's what you want to do. That's really fascinating, but I immediately am thinking, how do you balance like the needs of the company mm-hmm. versus that person's needs? Like maybe, you know, you're on this personal level, you understand that maybe somebody could be more successful somewhere else. But yeah. is there ever the tug of shit, we actually need designers at the company to do to the keep work functioning and do the work. <laughs> How do you balance that, right? Well, I don't I mean, so one I think a good lesson that I learned at Walmart is because we were I was there for eight years, you know, it's just like, and we had some amazing times there, but there was a, there was a time that it was somewhat of a struggle. We had new management come in, you know, it's just like strategically we made some changes, but at that point we had, I had a very strong management group and I felt that we were all coming to the work because we were loyal to each other, that we felt that we had to stick it out and, and I felt that I was doing things because I was fearful that people were leaving and it wasn't a comfortable situation. And so what I recommended to them is like, dude, we can't do this. It's like all of us, your job is, you know, in your next month, what you should do is you should circle a job, a company that you really is your dream company. You know, it's just like the job that you really want and you need to go and interview for that job. Uh, And they're like, what? This is kind of crazy. And I was like, just go do it. You know, it's just like, go do it because I don't want to be out of loyalty, you know, for anybody. And and really what happened was is that it was incredibly empowering because one of three things happened. Either they got the job, you know, it's just like, which is great, you know, or the other thing what happened is they didn't, they weren't qualified for the job, you know, it's just like, and then they realized what they had to work on. Or the third thing is they realized the company wasn't that great. You know, it's just like, it really wasn't that great. And then they came back and they were more recommitted to the job and realizing what was great about those things. And that really helped shape how I manage people that are interested in moving on. You know, I I say, it's just like, listen, I need to know what motivates you. What are you interested in? Where do you want to go? And I'm going to tell you first and foremost how I can make that happen. In this case, at GoPro. It's just like, there are many things I can do. You just need to tell me what it is. But if you can, if I cannot do it at GoPro, I'm going to be very honest with you and tell you and then see if there are other places where you can do it. Because I do believe, I mean, you're right. It's like I have to look for the interests of the company. But I do believe that the the general approach is if I do what's best for the individual, it will be the best for the company. Has it has that always been the case? Do you feel like where it, it kind of works out that way? Are there cases where you need designers yeah. and letting someone go? even if it would be in their own personal interest. Well, I mean, the the good example was one of the, I'll never forget it. I remember one of my directs came to me at Walmart and it's like, hey, Vanessa, I need to do a one-on-one with you. And you know, if someone calls for a one-on-one on on that day, you're just like, hey, we need to talk. (laughs) And I remember walking to that room and he's just like, so, and I was like, 
are you leaving? And he's like, yeah. I was like, you can't leave. And he's like, what do you mean? You've been promoting us to actually go. And I was like, I was just joking. You know, I'm like, what do you mean? You can't leave. You're supposed to go and figure out that we have a pretty awesome job here and then you're supposed to come back. And he's like, no, I, I really want to go. And it was an amazing job to head up, you know, a user experience team there. It's just like, it's something I would not have been able to give him. And he went and he did it and he did a phenomenal job. But did he come back after a year? Absolutely. You know, it's just like, I, I mean, that was where it really hurt, where actually I don't think it was the right thing for the company, but I was very happy for him. And then when he came back a year later, it was absolutely the right thing for the company. I want to know about your goals, though. So I think the way you've approached management, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but the way I'm, I'm seeing it is you care so much about what the success of your reports, right? What about for yourself? Like, is that ever in conflict where you think, you know, I could actually be a lot better off if if I cared about or like made decisions for my team that that put my team, you know, in a different position within the company or elevated its position at, with strategy versus, uh, or maybe they're never at odds versus making sure everyone on your team is is individually as yeah. successful as they can be. I don't know. I don't know if they are at odds. I mean, I have to say it becomes somewhat of a challenge. I mean, if you talk to any of my directs, they, the ones I didn't pay <laughs> to say some nice things. <laughs> the about honest me. ones. Yes, exactly. The honest ones. There are a lot of pet peeves I bet they would say, you know, about me. Uh, one of them would probably be is to say, yeah, Vanessa, you know, she cares. Sometimes she cares too much. Like I do. I I care a lot about these people's careers, you know, and I feel really responsible for them. And I think it really kind of gets me in trouble because I can't turn it off. You know, it's like I care a lot about what goes on, you know. And actually, I think at Walmart, I almost it's almost like I care too much. And so when I came to GoPro, I was like, okay, I'm not going to care about these people that I'm going to hire. These are just going to be designers, and I'm not going to care about them. and that only worked for like three days. You know, obviously, I really care about them a lot. In general, what I would say is just like, if you hire great people, you know, it's just like people that are just vastly smarter than you, you know, and that are curious, passionate learners that want to teach, and also that have a diversity of thought, you know, they you just need to actually support them and then they will help actually create the community you want and then also the team the team dynamics and they will be able to show value you know to make sure that it meets what the business needs are that i mean it sounds very simple and very idealistic but that's that's generally how i feel and it's been the case of gopro i mean at first i thought oh maybe at walmart I, we were just lucky on those things but the formula that we have here at gopro it's like this team that we have at gopro has Within two years, I mean, I was the first one there. Within two years, just completely taken everything that was about design and just stepped well beyond what we could have ever imagined and really elevated design and really built out these relationships. And yeah, I'm just really, really proud to be a part of them. So you've mentioned what happens when a designer leaves. Yeah. That you don't like, you care about that person, right? Yeah. How do you decide to leave them? Oh yeah, it's really hard. I cry, I drink a lot of wine. Yeah, it's just like I <laughs> uh, mean, yeah, it's the the, the normal stuff. I mean, so it's just, I mean, a perfect. So let's say a direct report comes and they say, "I I want to get a promotion," and um, I was like, "All right, well, let's talk about." It. I mean, the first thing I ask is like, 
well, why why do you want a promotion? Because that that actually I think is always the most important question to ask as a manager is like, why do you want it? And they're like, well, let's say it's an individual contributor that wants to go to a senior individual contributor. They're like, well, and the answer that they say at that next moment is the most important thing to listen to. It may be like, hey, I actually just need some more money because you know my partner lost their job or those things. I'm like, oh, okay, well, that. That makes sense. Let's talk about that. Or it may be, you know, I want to be a senior individual contributor because I've been at this individual contributor level for four years and, you know, I want to show progression. That makes sense too. It's just like, or it could be like, I'm actually not learning anything. I want to learn more things. You know, it's just like, I want to, I want to hit a growth path. Um, and so it, it becomes really interesting what the question is. And oftentimes there was, there was someone that I was just, you know, having great conversation with before. And, you know, she, she said, she's like, actually, I'm not, I'm interested in growing, but not necessarily to the next level. I'm interested in really becoming an advocate for, for women in tech. And I was like, okay. It's just like, so whatever the why is, that becomes really important. And then actually helping and being like, let's now figure out what is the delta from you to get, let's say it is, individual contributor, senior individual contributor. Let's figure out what the delta is. You need to do an assessment on it, a self-assessment, because usually you probably think you're pretty stellar, like you deserve it. And But then I'm going to do assessment for it as well as a manager on those. And then we're going to have a really good, a straightforward conversation about it. And then when we figure out what the deltas are, let's sign up for that particular action plan. And it may be that you and I agree that I will not be able to actually deliver what is necessary in that action plan. And so we just kind of need to say goodbye, you know? And I feel confident as long as I've actually invested and I've figured out, yes, this is the right time to actually say goodbye, I sleep pretty well about that. I feel I feel pretty good about it, but I would feel really bad if somebody actually, and I said this to all my direct reports, I feel really bad if you actually left the company and we didn't have this conversation because I might've been able to actually say, I can help you in those things, maybe here at GoPro or maybe somewhere else. So I was referring to what happens when you leave the company. Oh, when I leave the company? Well, I haven't left that many. I mean, it's just like when I was younger, it's just like I left all the time. When I left Walmart, it was super hard. I actually, it probably, I mean, and the people at Walmart know I should have left probably a year before I did. But how did you feel about the responsibility to those people? I felt awful. I mean, I still feel awful. How, did, how do you deal with it? I mean, I drink a lot of wine. It's like, <laughs> is, is that not Same. an acceptable answer? <laughs> I guess it is. <laughs> I feel really bad. It's like, how do you walk away from any project that you have, you know? But I think really what I tried to tell myself is, is that they they would reciprocate it. They would want the best for me, you know? And if it's a good reason as to why I'm leaving, you know, it's just like they would understand that. It's just like, I mean, I think you'd have to have to ask my team. I'm sure they were happy that I left. Um, I, I just told them. <laughs> wow. I, I mean, I would, t I mean, the things, you know, what do I look for in a job? I look for mission, you know, do I believe in the mission? Do I, it's like, is it a good culture of fit? Are there juicy problems I can solve? And do I think that I would be of use there? Those are the things I look for. And, you know, at Walmart, it really, by the end of it, it's like, I don't know if how useful I actually was because they were just so well beyond, you know, what they needed for me. That's the self-awareness, uh, which is a pretty key trait for designers. I it think. is. I do. But you always have to work on Self-awareness is a pretty key trait for everyone. For every, yeah, actually all humans. Um I have one more question mm -hmm. and it's really, really vague. So just just deal with me. Uh, 
for a moment. Bryn and I think a lot about what are, Bryn more than I do, about what are objective truths in design. So things like uh, type and contrast and color theory. Like You're talking about craft. Yeah, there's there's certain truths in in the craft of, at least in our world, software design. Maybe with a little bit of wiggle room as technologies and, and social norms change. I'm really curious to know if there are objective truths in management. And this has been on my mind a lot because I've been reading uh, Julie Zhu's posts mm-hmm. about management. And in her part two, like last paragraph, I just wrote about this and I, I actually was... I love Julie and I love her thoughts, but I was actually very let down because the last paragraph was um, follow your gut mm-hmm. and learn from your mistakes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the answer you can say to anything you do in the world. Mm-hmm. What are ways to speed that up? Like, What are the objective truths about management that can get me from, from zero to one pretty quickly? Mm-hmm. And then from one onwards, I can you know learn and iterate and stuff like that. So the parallel here would be design, like learn color theory, learn a prototyping mm-hmm, tool, mm-hmm. learn sketch, like all these things that it's the base layer. You can't really fuck it up. Yeah. And then you can start start building. What's what's the parallel here that, uh, sorry, super long question. Does that make sense? It does. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's I, very abstract. Well, it's, it's a question. If you were interested in management, what are the steps that you could take? Uh, that's the exact way to phrase. Can you give that. me the cheat code to management, please. I uh, I just worded it with. I would ten, like ten times. Alex, as many I would words. like moon physics. <laughs> well, uh, the context here is, mode. is I personally am interested in management in in a few years' time. Yes, and I would love to know like what are some of the objective things yeah. that I can work on. Uh, so what I would say is is that God. It's funny because a lot of people would say being a manager on my team is a, a hard job because I have the highest expectations from managers. Uh, and so I make them work, you know, but I have had the fortune to take some individual contributors and help them become managers or just show them or give them the actual path. And uh, really at Walmart, we learned that you kind of need to do the job before you're ever promoted into it. But how do you do the job of managing, you know, before you're actually in it? And you begin to learn you there are what I think of as a manager is a is a guide, you know, is just like is a guide is an advocate is also, you know, the mirror that you don't really want to look into and to, to offer you the advice that you need. So now the way that I think is just like, what are some one or some safe ways to offer an individual contributor to learn how to be a manager. The first thing I do is, is like I find some money and I make sure that, you know, this individual contributor is responsible for some interns. You know, it's like literally, it's just like, okay, some interns, just for you to try it out. Because oftentimes, actually, individual contributors will say, I'm interested in management. Um, yeah, this is what I want to do. But I was like, I don't know if you know exactly what it is, you know, to always constantly be caring and thinking about this particular person. I was like, well, let's just try it out, you know, and I think the intern profits from it, but it's just like there's someone that actually comes in you. And then I make I make it a requirement that they actually become a mentor, you know, it's just like to give back. Go and find people that are in graduate school or in undergraduate school that would be more than eager actually to be mentored, you know, it's just like by somebody. And that already 
You know, just like managing an intern or somebody that is more junior, you know, for a temporary basis or even on a project or actually mentoring, you know, just like people that are just learning to come in the industry and giving back. That's already the art of managing. That's a lot of it. It's about the responsibility and it's about the caring of it. And then we have a conversation about how was it, you know, how did it feel? You know, the other thing I do is it's like you have to go and interview other managers. The thing is, is that what I do believe, and I think what Julia was saying was is that there is no one way, one right way to be a manager. It's it is an art, you know. It's just like just as it is in product design, there definitely is an art. But what you need to do is you need to go and interview other managers to figure out what is your flavor of management. That is really the thing. You probably have had many great managers and probably some that were not so great. So you kind of already know, it's like, well, I'm not going to do this and I am going to definitely do that. But see, I want to skip being the not so great and just go straight to being great. Yeah, that's the, the designer. <laughs> that's the challenge, <laughs> Yeah, right? I, I think that is. It's definitely the challenge. And I think the thing is, is that you will you will not be great. Shit. I know. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. even even I, and it's just like, I, I've been a manager there every single day. My directs tell me it's just like, I have not been right or I have not done things not well, but it's just like, they know that it wasn't my intent. You know, it's just like, learn how to authentically, you know, talk and communicate with your directs, you know, and say, I am not great, you know, it's like, but I'm trying and I need your feedback and I'm learning here. And it is a journey that I am on as well. But definitely there are ways individual contributors can practice management, you know, besides just reading books. It's just like go and actually yeah. give back. You That's know? what I'm worried about is you can read books I don't, to death, no. right? Yeah. Uh, you just got to get rid of the dust jackets and then you're good. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Uh, tangential to that is how, how would you work in a situation where perhaps one of your reports is an individual contributor with more years of experience, very senior individual contributor. Are you ever in a situation where there's like sort of some tension there that they might actually have been a quote unquote designer for longer than you or might have more experience shipping products than you and now you're in charge of yeah. of managing that person. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's a little awkward, right? Yeah, how do you do? How, I mean, I think how do you deal with that awkwardness. Well, I mean, I I was in a situation where you know an individual and I, just an awesome guy, was like he and I were peers. Actually, he was a he was a level higher than I. I got promoted to his level, and then all of a sudden I was told I was his manager, uh, and I was like, okay, this is going to be a little awkward, you know. And so I went home and had a little more wine, uh, and then. And I just was pretty honest with him. I see, you know, we went out for lunch or for drinks and I say, you know, how do you feel about this? <laughs> yeah. And he was like, oh, well, this is kind of weird, you know? And I said, okay, I think this is weird too, but it's like, what are you looking for in a manager? What do you need? What can I help and what can I can actually provide you? And he was pretty clear about it, you know? What are the things I can provide, what I can't? And then I told him, what are the things that I think I can provide him for him to be better, you know? I think in general, what you're trying to do as a manager is just trying to figure out what are they motivated and what are they interested in and how can you actually provide it? And sometimes it matches what you think they need and sometimes it doesn't and you that's how you build respect it doesn't really it shouldn't really matter what the resume says at the end it's about a relationship uh you were at walmart for quite a long time and then gopro recently how do you or how did you approach building that that really critical first uh amount of trust and respect on a new team right you kind of just been dropped in yeah here's your manager right no actually it's funny because i was I was hired in and 
there were two designers. Uh, one of them was Jeff, and the other one was this other great designer. Uh, but, you know, and then I had to hire as fast as I could. And some of the people were actually hired for me. And I remember meeting them on probably my first day and being like, I don't know you. I didn't hire you. But here are my I gave them my operating instructions. This is basically how I work, you know, it's just like, and what I expect from the team and what they should expect from me. And I say, it's just like, you know, I'm going to be really hard on you. I'm going to expect the best, but you should expect the best from me as well. And so I was pretty clear, I think, but you should ask them about, you know, just like what, how we're going to run a team together. And I was going to, and I was also pretty clear about my expectations. And there were some people that came in that were not sure about me. And so what I encouraged them to do was to interview and call people that I had worked with in the past that I knew would be very honest and say like, who is is this Vanessa crazy person? You know, it's just like, be like, oh, why don't you talk to these people that I work with in the past for you to have a good sense of what kind of team we're trying to build. So you leveraged historical context to try and at least just get like a little momentum of trust uh, on the new team. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Data. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, of course I paid those people too, you know, Obviously. To, say, to say some of those things, but some of these things are implied. Yes. But I think it's also an action. I think you want to, designers were funny like that. It's just like, even though you're my manager, I want to kind of know that you can do some design, you know? And I, I remember when we were building out the team that I was pretty hands-on first with the designs uh, and trying to give guidance because I wanted to try and garner the respect that I that I think they needed to have to actually be like, okay, she kind of knows what she's doing. Maybe she does, you know, maybe I should listen to her. Gotta get the street cred. Yeah, I think it is important for designers to actually have that, you know? And then the next thing that I did was generally, it's just that I was really, we were all hiring. We had to hire like crazy. And I spent a lot of time doing that. I mean, the core group, you kind of need to spend a lot of time on that. But I was very, very clear about what types of people we're going to look for. And the types of people that we're going to look for, it wasn't the most senior person, but I really wanted people that were curious, you know, but then most importantly, I wanted to make sure that we were creating, we were getting designers that would fill each other's gaps uh, because I really felt that diversity was a big, big part. And not like about how we look, but it's just diversity of experiences. There was an individual that we had interviewed who was great. I mean, just a great designer, great cultural fit, really curious, you know, but, and we wanted to hire him, but he was exactly like Jeff Smith, who was on our team. And I, and we were too small of a team. And so I remember calling him and saying, sorry, it's just like, you're great, but I can't, we're too small. I don't need a Jeff clone. We don't need that. You know, it's just like, and you won't be able to contribute as much as I think you want to, because, you know, it's like, we all need to learn from each other. And so when Jeff actually moved on to, you know, it's like, I remember calling the guy back and saying, hey, guess what? We have a spot open for you when you fill in the spot. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, and he came on board. We were very excited. Can I ask one more question? Of and course. If, and if it's silly, then we can, cut uh, it. we can cut it. You keep saying you expect a lot from your designers. Yeah. You have really high expectations. Yeah. What's the nitty gritty of that? What does that actually translate to in practice? Is it, talk to me how you, what that gauges for you. 
Well, I mean, I think the thing is, is that, and this is what's really hard for them, is, is that I expect them to, and I come across as very casual, but I expect really a lot in terms of the results. I expect that when they come to me, you know, just like they know what the problem is that they're trying to solve. They have some thoughts on how to solve it, you know, and that they've done their research and they really, you know, have are able to not only done their research and figured out some solutions, but they're able to tell the story. You know, that's a really big piece of it. Uh, it really bugs me when a designer comes and says, hey, Vanessa, here's a problem. You know, it's just like, and I'm like, well, what's your recommendation? You know, so you can't just come. Don't without. complain. <laughs> I know. This is like, yeah. my four designers are like, great. Shit. I mean, <laughs> I am. I'm a completely hard ass. It's like, I want to hear your point of view. Don't come without a point of is view. Is that being a hard ass? though like that no i think that's good no i mean but they know it i think that's the thing it's where i press i hopefully ask in a in a nice way but come with a solution yes come with or come with a point of view or come with multiple options but with a recommendation and then be able to tell me that story i think storytelling is very very big you know and and not only that i kind of expect them to be nice about it we actually we're a software group in a hardware group i i expect them to be building relationships you know it's just like being awesome hosts and inviting people in gosh in san diego i made them do like a pancake party for the whole engineering group it's just like you know we as designers half of our value will really be about st- telling the story across the company and to be able to do that you have to be awesome hosts building relationships great diplomats and be able to tell that story so i think it's a lot i, I do think i do think it's a lot but i expect those things because i think when you start working you know it's just like at a great company like gopro or a design team you want to be able to drive impact so if you're coming to work and to drive impact you kind of need to go the extra mile uh, i know it's sort of over overtold this sort of rule of thumb but i love it is that if you ask someone uh you know why didn't you do this a certain way and they can actually answer and say oh well i explored that and it didn't work because of x y and z it's like the most refreshing feeling because from then on you just trust that that person's process is going to poke holes in their own work and like and really try and come up with with uh the Mm -hmm. right solution that's explored possibilities. Uh, I love that. Yeah, I definitely. I mean, I think that as a manager, it's not really the tactical day-to-day solutions. As your manager, you're really trying to groom and nurture the 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 judgment and the design decision making process. And so that that is what your job is as a manager. It's like, how how did you get to the solution? You know, it's just like, what are the what are the methods that you took? You know, it's just like, what is the path that you're going to take moving forward? You know, that's the, the general, that's what you want to build in any particular designer. And I think that's what you take a lot of pride in. It's funny, you asked me, what is the uh, one other way to become a strong manager? I would say it's a little controversial is is to become a parent. Oh. Yes. If you want to take that, that might be a shortcut. Just start by having babies. Yeah. You're all good. I uh, will circumvent that path for a while. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but I think parenting has been very beneficial for me. I feel that, you know, because of that, I've become a stronger manager because, you know, these kids, they won't do anything I, I want them to. I have high expectations of you, toddler. Yes. Child exactly. baby. Yes. And you too. Don't complain have. to me about exactly. being hungry. Come with solutions. <laughs> I know. 
like, go back and tell me a story. Back yes. to the drawing board, baby. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, that's definitely, it's been, it's helped me become a stronger manager for sure. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Now we are Thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, yeah. Anything you want to plug before you go? Come. I mean, generally, it's been nice being here. Uh, but it's like, come and check out GoPro. It's, I'm very, very excited because in the two years that we've been, it's like the first year we were just trying to figure out what to do. And then we were able to design things. But this is really a great year of execution, you know, and I'm excited for the team that they can ship some products. Awesome. Nice. All righty. Cool. Thank you so much for having Thank me. Thank you so much, Vanessa. That was episode 125. Thank you so much to Vanessa for coming and hanging out with us. She put up with some truly impressive uh, technical failures. So really appreciate it. Uh, we got a lot of really important advice that is kind of hard to come by, especially around management. Let us know what you thought. Hit us up on Twitter. We're at Design Details FM. Uh, Vanessa is VCho22 on Twitter. Hit her up. Give her a follow. VCho uh, is VChill. I've been asking her questions as well, and she continues to just provide amazing advice. So thank you so much again to Vanessa. Thanks for listening. Hit us up on Twitter at Design Details FM and let us know what you thought. Before we go, Thank you so much to our two sponsors that made this episode possible. First up, Dropbox. Dropbox is a syncing tool that makes it so you can work with anyone you want, anywhere you want, on any device you want, with any software you want, on any file you want, any how you want, any way you want, any time you want. It makes being a Dazzler the best. You're really stuck on this Dazzler thing, huh? Yes. No, Dazzling is great, but still. Uh, thank you once again to Dropbox for sponsoring the show. Check them out, dropbox.com. And of course, thank you to Wayno, the agency that is making this podcast possible they're uh an agency doing killer work the best group of dazzlers we know they are an amazing dazzle of designers and it's a dazzling dazzle a dazzling dazzle come hang out with us they're doing happy hours every friday in the evening we go as often as we can special guests uh Bryn and i have been to a couple hoping to go to more and we would love to see you there to learn more about those just follow wayno on twitter it's wayno.co spelled out is their handle or just go check out their website ueno.co check out their work and if you want a job hit the careers link tell me sent you we love them can't recommend them enough thank you so much to wayno for making this show possible and we'll see you next week